Welcome to Nittany Nation Overtime. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Nittany Nation Overtime. I'm Andrew Lee Ponwell, joined by Mark Brennan and Neil Riddell, as always, and our guest this week, Anise Hawkins. Thanks for coming on with us. Thank you guys for having me. Good Very excited you, to be Anise. here. So, a rainy day yesterday. Yeah. Um, up in Happy Valley, the 17-7 win over Northwestern. Defense was the name of the game. Where do we want to start with this one, guys? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think any time that you have five turnovers in a game and you're able to, to win, you, you kind of thank the, the football gods. Uh, you know, I actually think that speaks to generally how well Penn State played overall, especially defensively. Uh, I mean, you, you go into this game and you're leading uh, the Big Ten in turnover margin. Uh, Northwestern is next to last in the Big Ten in turnover margin. And you think, what's the one thing that could be the great equalizer? And it turned out to be turnovers for Pat Fitzgerald's team. But Penn State was able to kind of hold Northwestern at arm's length throughout came up with a huge defensive stand there uh, in the fourth quarter and held on for the win. Yeah, really impressed, uh, not just yesterday, but the, the body of work that we're seeing the first half of the year with Manny Diaz and the way the defenses responded uh, at all levels. I mean, the, you know, the, the, uh, the front seven and the, the, you know, the back end, everybody's developing, and they needed it yesterday. I mean, because the offense, uh, was really disappointing. I know it was rainy and uh, and the you know, tailbacks couldn't hold the ball, but um, I think that way they took a step uh, to step backwards in terms of rolling into Michigan. I, I thought they would play better after having not played all that great against Central Michigan, but hats off to the defense. I have to agree with you on that one. And we actually have some stats of the defense if we can get those pulled up. They had three turnovers yesterday. Manny's defense allowed 241 yards, which is less than the average. On third down conversions, they were four of 16. And red zone coverage, they only had one, op uh, one opportunity there. And they are currently still leading the NCAA in pass breakups there. So like you said, impressive body of work. We have to talk about the elements there. How much do you think it actually affected the game yesterday? The elements certainly play a factor. I mean, anytime you have five turnovers with a running back room like that that's supposed to be this illustrious group that plays at a high level, is going to be really telling when, when they're fumbling the ball like that in the rain. Sean Clifford obviously not performing up to what Coach Franklin calls the standard with some of those interceptions and bad throws that he threw. But again, going back to the defense, it was really good to see the front seven, seven stepping up on that goal line, seeing the secondary, who everybody knows is elite, making good plays on the ball too. Aeneas, you, you were in the same recruiting class as P.J. Mustafer. Yeah. You know, what's it like for you to see him come back from what he came back from and to make that play at the goal line? Yeah. I mean, your, your heart had to be thumping. You had to be real proud of, of, yeah. of your guy. Yeah, P.J. is my guy. Um, obviously, we know how special of a player he is when he's healthy. Um, and to come back from as serious of an injury as he had uh, and to do it in the biggest moments and to see him step up against Auburn and start to get back like himself and then what he's doing in Northwestern now, uh, really good to see. Obviously, that's my brother, so to see him excited making plays again is fun. Yeah, and he's coming on now statistically. You usually don't see a defensive tackle yeah. leading yeah. the team. This is two weeks in a row. I thought Tarburton played great. I mean, there's a yep. kid that, uh, you know, talk about an unsung hero yesterday, forced a big fumble, recovered a fumble, had a uh, tackle for loss. So uh, that was nice to see because, you know, Jacobs uh, has been really good. But mm -hmm. It was unusual yesterday. He had no tackles. Yeah, he did recover a fumble. Right. fumble yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. the other thing that I love about this defense, and we've talked about it all year, is the number of players that Manny is using. Yeah. And, and this is something that you could speak to, too, Aeneas. I mean, to be that committed 
to have guys in at key moments of the game. How fresh is it making the defense toward the end of the games when they need to come up with a goal line? Stand? Well, it's crucial because, again, you look at the next three games that are coming up with Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State, you have to have depth in order to compete for four quarters against teams with loaded rosters just like yours. So, again, Coach Diaz, who's been rotating all year long, now has the depth that he needs to hopefully go compete with those teams. And we touched on it a little bit as well, the running backs. Moving forward with the young guys, how do you handle Oopsies, football got out a lot. James said they saved all their turnovers for yeah, one game. game. Um, hey, you know, I think they really want to play Allen. <clears throat> he carried 21 times in the second half. That's a huge number for, for any running back, let alone a guy that's coming off the bench. Um, I don't know what they're going to do as far as a starter. They have a week off to, I'd say, uh, think about it or stew on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think in this day and age you need a, a starter per se. I mean, when you have two freshman backs who are that good, uh, you know, obviously something must have happened that Allen didn't get an opportunity to play until the second half, uh, which is fine. But he had, I think he played 31 snaps overall in the second half, which is just uh, unbelievable. The one thing that I would say is, you know, this was the first time these kids played at this level in this sort of mm -hmm. weather, and I will give Pat Fitzgerald's team credit those guys were popping. I mean, yeah. the, the one that uh, the one that Singleton, the second one Singleton lost. I don't know anybody that's going to hang on yeah. to that. Having said all that, though, you better believe that Jaywan Sider in practice <laughs> this week is not going to go easy on those running backs. I mean, we see it when we're at practice. You're there. We see them working ball security all the time. At each other, they're right? going to have to get. They're going to really have to get on that moving forward. What I thought was interesting was how segmented the running backs felt. Like I, I can't exactly put numbers to it, but it felt like okay, a bunch of Singleton, uh, a bunch of Allen, a bunch of uh, Kevon here. Why do you think those rotations happen that way? Well, I think James is really committed to running the football. He doesn't I mean, he like it when you yeah. have 35 pass attempts. He mentioned that after the Central Michigan game. He wants to see that balanced out. So, I mean, they did run the ball. Um, you know, they 220 yards, so, uh, you know, but I think that's probably part of the reason he was committed to the run. Well, yeah, and I think there was a message being sent to Allen. I don't know what it was or why it was, but he didn't play in the first half. I mean, he had a jacket on for the entire first half, which uh, Franklin said afterward they don't talk about guys being injured or guys being uh, not, not playing for disciplinary reasons. So you had to pick w between one of the two, and I guess something must have gone on, but to his credit, he didn't let it shake him. He came in. You don't want to see the fumbles, but I thought he ran hard in the second half. All right, well, we'll take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk more about the man under center himself, Sean Clifford. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Nittany Nation Overtime. We're talking Penn State 17-7 win over Northwestern. It says they're 11 there. That was what they were yesterday. Now they are number 10 overall in the nation. So with yesterday's win, of course, weather was a factor. I hate to keep bringing it up, but it was, of course, and it affected the offense. What did you see from Sean Clifford that you liked in terms of handling the crazy weather? Well, I don't think it was his best game. I mean, he there were some matchups that he did exploit. He threw a nice ball to Strange and Parker Washington. And the ball to Wallace in the end zone probably was catchable. Um, but just overall, I think we're going through some stretches now, uh, not just yesterday, but through the first game other than Auburn, <clears throat> where he's, he's, uh, he regresses at times. Um, you know, I, I would have stuck Aller in there in the second half, and, and I, I just would have. I think that would have been a great opportunity to play for the future 
and also deal with the present mm -hmm. because I think the team needed a lift and that didn't mean that you're going to start all or going forward. Uh, it just, I think it would have strengthened the position. That's, that's just me. I think the team needed a spark and I think he could have provided one. So, I think if you do that though, go. I'm sorry, Andrew Lee, but I think if you do that, then you're creating a quarterback controversy, mm -hmm. right? Now all of a sudden you're not bringing Aller in uh, because somebody's banged up or because you're winning by a lot of points, you're bringing them in because you, everybody's going to read into it. So I don't know that you need that going into this, this, this gauntlet that they're going to face in the middle uh, of October. You know, that said, this was Clifford's worst game. And there were a couple throws, especially later. I mean, he missed Parker Washington when he was kind of wide open, uh, threw an interception. Uh, he said afterward, as he always does, he owned it, and yeah. he knows that he's got to play better. And Franklin said that he's got to play better. So I think everybody knows it. To be able to escape with a win, despite not playing your best, is, is a positive. I will say, I feel like the one interception he had was bad, but I think there were a couple opportunities where he probably could have thrown more. Yeah. Uh, I guess that was the thing that was most concerning to me is the decision-making didn't seem like it was there. You know, there are times where Clifford can be a little spotty with the placement of the football, but typically his decision-making is not god-awful by any means. Now, I will say he did handle some situations well with the time management and making sure Penn State would find a way to win the game, but I agree. I would have liked to see a Lar in there. Again, we talk about building depth, getting him some reps with wet ball, a little bit of rain, see how he responds to it. Yeah, I just thought that that would have been a, a situation where it, it's not he's pressed in service because of an injury or because he's cleaning up at the end. That would mm -hmm. have been a meaningful situation with the idea that Clifford's your starter. So first time we haven't seen Aller this year, but let's see some of those stats from Clifford. So he went for 140 yards, averaging seven yards, one touchdown, one interception. He's coming up on some of the big numbers here. 71 career touchdown passes. He's just a couple behind McSorley, and he's also in the hunt for 10,000 yards. He's going to break so them all. He's going to break them. He said he's 100 years old. I mean, it's a joke by this time of all of us covering him. So what do you see from your guy moving forward, and what do you think it'll mean to him? It, no. Both from Cincinnati. Yeah. Both from Cincinnati. Former rival in high school. Fun <laughs> facts. Uh, no, I think it's. I still think there's value in having an old man at quarterback for Penn State. We saw it prove itself in the Purdue game at the end. But again, we're going down a gauntlet. Sean Clifford has played in a lot of big football games against a lot of big opponents. And there is value and experience there. And the guys around him understand the value that's there. And there's a certain level of confidence that comes from having an experienced quarterback behind the center. Sean Clifford was in the class before Hawk, right? Yep, no doubt. He was, class before. he was a class, so he's still, he's still going. And so. then there was the tweet yesterday that Sean Clifford is older than Jalen Hurts, which hurts my brain a little bit. Um, but who are some of the other guys that have stuck out to you, Neil? Some of those you were talking about. Well, you know, Tinsley really started out fast, mm -hmm. and I don't think they've been able to get him the ball quite as much uh, these last uh, two or three weeks. Uh, that would be another one. Joey Porter's doing a great job because you don't hear f about him at all. Mm -hmm. Although yesterday I noticed uh, he was not on the field when they threw the touchdown pass. And I think he, he maybe didn't get as many snaps as he typically gets. I thought the O-line played pretty well. I also thought it was pretty cool to see Theo Johnson back. Uh, they started with two tight ends and he was in there. I was a little surprised they only targeted Strange and Johnson once yeah. each. Uh, both of those guys had catches. I thought they would be a bigger part of the passing game in that on. sort of weather. Uh, but And what other guy, we were talking before the show a little bit. Uh, it was really cool to see Charlie Catcher out there because this is a guy who's been through a ton of injuries. Uh, he's been a great soldier for the program, a leader. I'm, I know that you could speak to that, Aeneas. Uh, but for him to have the opportunity to get in there, we haven't really seen much of him at practice even. To get in there and play in a game and be productive, I thought that was really cool to see. 
And who are some of the other guys that have stuck out to you? I will give you Hakeem Beeman. I am a defensive yeah. line guy, yeah. so I got to show the D tackle some love. I've been calling out the fact that they need to find a way to get some interior pressure to kind of couple with what we've seen from Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac at end. Hakeem Beeman stepped up, made some good plays on a couple screens consecutively. He's a guy that has a high ceiling. We got to start seeing it in these big games. Yeah, he's been a great story, too, coming back from being out last year for well, we're not sure exactly why, but he did not give up, kept with the program, earned his helmet stripe back, and now he's doing some nice things. You know, of course, Barney Amora continues to be a star. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think it was good that Pettigrew made the 38-yard field Absolutely, goal because yeah. he's been a little uneven so far. In the conditions as well. Yeah, which I think yeah you need to. all the positives that you can muster here for these next couple weeks. Well, it is quite the gauntlet, like we said. We've called it spooky season, which it most certainly is. It's fitting for the month of October. But when we come back, we'll take a bit deeper look into what this guy's been up to since his playing career. Don't go anywhere. Let's take a look around the Big Ten. Michigan handled Iowa on the road. Upset in the Twin Cities. Purdue beat number 21 Minnesota. Illinois also beat Wisconsin. And big news out of Madison. Paul Christ is out. Ohio State handled Rutgers. Michigan State again falls. They lost 27 to 13 to Maryland. Nebraska and Indiana. Nebraska victorious in that one. So always interesting in the Big Ten, especially this time of year. Surprised that they let Paul, Paul Christ go. Now, I mean, I think he had represented Wisconsin and really didn't win like they wanted to win, but I think, you know, he's had a good career. I hate to see these guys getting let go uh, early in, in the middle of the season. I think the Bielema factor was the huge nail in the coffin of yeah. that one. Um, yep. As someone who's from Madison, an interesting relationship with Brett Bielema as a city, so uh, unfortunately the transition has to happen during the season. We were talking earlier about it. When you let a coach go in the middle of the season, whether it's coordinator, head coach, what is that sort of dynamic like with the players, do you think, moving forward? It makes it tough as a player because, you know, you get used to a routine with how you prepare and you kind of understand your role when you're under a certain head coach. Anytime that gets shaken up, it really just affects the way players are able to get ready for their games. It makes, it, you know, adds some confusion to the, the preparation. And there can be some times where there's a little bit of a disconnect between the staff and the players, and sometimes you can lose your locker room over it. So I was surprised they let him go midseason, too. Again, a guy with a long track record, however, you want to look at it a lot of it with success a lot of big 10 yeah. championships played and i figured they'd give them to the end of the season to at least you know show some respect there yeah it's also unfair to the players i mean uh in this day and age you're allowed to play in four mm -hmm. games yep. and still transfer they waited until after five games now these guys can't transfer and still keep their year yep. i you know i know people don't like to transfer portal but to me, that's a terrible, terrible message from the athletic department and a sure way to lose a team. Yeah, probably the reason that Ford didn't play or is not with the team anymore because mm -hmm. he would have played four games this year and preserved some eligibility. Yeah, we'll uh, see. The, the running back for Penn State that's not there. A lot of interesting things going on. But you, Mr. Hawkins, what has the last couple of years looked like for you post-football? Yeah, so you know, now this is my first season not playing football anymore, so it's been an adjustment. Um, still going around the facility, hanging out with teammates. Um, but again, you know, really trying to dive into the broadcasting world, doing some things with Sean Clifford and Limitless NIL, trying to help players navigate that new uh, arena of college football, which has kind of been like the wild, wild west, but been a lot of fun so far for sure. What's been the most rewarding part about Limitless and some of the NIL opportunities you've helped create for players? Yeah, so, you know, I come from a family that, 
had a lot of people go play professional sports. Um, I grew up with aspirations to go play professional sports. For me, my career ended early, as a lot of people's do, due to injury or due to whatever reasons may happen. So I understand that a lot of them who have aspirations to go make a bunch of money, go playing professionally, they don't have those opportunities. So for me, you know, I just look at it as a way to help athletes capitalize on the opportunity that they're in now, because there really are no guarantees, especially in sports like football that are so physical uh, and where careers are so short. You were, you were in on the NIL space super early with the hawk sauce and everything. Uh-huh. What, why did that click with you? What is it about you that that all made sense to you? And it's the same thing with Clifford. I mean, both of you guys seem to have a grasp you know, very early on about what that was going to mean. Yeah, well, again, I, I hate to keep bringing up my family, but I always grew up with an idea that football was a means to an end. It was business, um, and I was always looking for ways to set myself up beyond football. So when NIL opened up, I just looked at it as an opportunity to start propelling myself to where I wanted to go long term. And it's the same thing with Sean. He has a business mind. He's entrepreneurial by nature. Uh, if you talk to him about anything other than football, it's, it becomes pretty quickly apparent that he thinks that way. And I think more and more college athletes are starting to think that way now that they have an NIL opportunity. Does, does NIL need more guidance from the NCAA, from the schools? Are you guys waiting for that? Or how, how is that shaking out? Yeah, I, I think it's tough for the NCAA just to step in uh, and kind of help facilitate that and for a lot of different reasons. But I do think it would benefit student athletes if the NCAA were able to do that. I think the biggest thing that I've realized is that, you know, at all these different schools and different conferences, there are just so, so many different standards and regulations state by state for what is allowed and what is not allowed. And what I'm afraid of is an uneven playing field being created because of it. What are some of the weird things that have maybe popped up that you didn't expect, say, state to state or conference to conference? Yeah, just I, I say the biggest thing is collectives and how differently each collective is run and what their their different uh, objectives and missions are. I know at Penn State with things like Success with Honor, uh, they do things the right way uh, and they really help empower student athletes rather than just you know, setting them up for money grabs. and I don't think every collective is operating that way. And again, I think long term that really can be a negative for the players and for the athletes who are at these schools. How does it affect the locker room? Uh, some guys are carving deals uh, with relationships internally and externally. How, how's that working? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people think that there can be some animosity between these players in the locker rooms because everybody's not getting the same deal. Mm-hmm. I was on the scout team for a lot of the time, so I did get some NIL stuff, but it didn't look the same as what Sean Clifford was getting as a starting quarterback, right? Uh, I have not seen anything uh, too negative in terms of that, but again, there can be a disconnect, but the one positive I've seen is really it's a good way at a lot of places for people like walk-ons and scout team guys to connect with the players who are making money and doing deals because a lot of those guys getting the big deals are bringing it to the players who maybe aren't getting any attention and maybe aren't getting the opportunities to go make money in NIL. All right, great. Thank you so much. And when we come back, we just have a couple more housekeeping things. Don't go anywhere. You're watching Nittany Nation Overtime. Let's look at the upcoming schedule. Penn State heading into the bye week. Then it gets interesting on the road at Michigan, at home for the wideout against Minnesota, and then home again for Ohio State. We call it spooky season. It most certainly is. But since it's the bye week next week, we have a very special guest coming on. Dr. Patrick, or sorry, that's his nitwits. I got ahead of myself here. Uh. Nitwit of the week, yours truly. <laughs> I win for the second straight week. Congrats. So I am finally tied up on the board there. So feels really good there. But like I said, bye week, we have a special guest. Dr. Patrick Kraft is coming on the show. We'll talk to him with a mid-season update. Excited to sit down with him. Yeah, he'll be on honorary nitwit. And Aeneas, uh, it was great to have you here. You know, uh, the people that are watching from the region, the Penn State people, but also from Johnstown, your family's roots. Uh, Artrell Hawkins uh, was a, a player at Pitt. And, the, you know, the Gumby family and the Simon family, it's just 
It's great to have you. All over. I appreciate you guys having me. And everybody in Johnstown, hello. Grandma, if you're watching this, I love you. <laughs> Miss you dearly. <laughs> Well, thank else? you. We'll have you back uh, again sometime. I hope so. I look forward to it. He'll track you down. He'll, he'll find you. <laughs> Neil has his ways. Well, thank you so much for watching. Like I said, Dr. Patrick Kraft is coming on next week. Everyone enjoy the bye week. It's going to be weird to have no football. But in the meantime, have a great week. We'll see you here next week.